Hi, friends. Welcome to the Connected Families Podcast. I'm Stacey Bellward, your host. I'm glad you came and are tuning in. In our podcast, we talk about parenting, the hardest job we will ever have, right? Well, this is a community and we support each other and we equip each other to receive and pass on God's grace and truth. Today's episode is part two of a conversation that I had with Jim and Lynn Jackson on raising overcomers. If you did not hear part one, go listen. Jim and Lynn are always just transparent and real. And that was very true in part one. We talked candidly about how hard COVID has been and how our faith has given perspective for overcoming. Jim and Lynn also gave practical ideas for parents to overcome in part one. So listen in now for part two with Jim and Lynn Jackson, co-founders of Connected Families in our conversation on raising overcomers. Hi, Jim and Lynn. Thanks again for meeting me here at the microphone. How are you? Well, we're good. It's just always so nice to hear your exuberance over the microphone (laughs) and over Zoom as we do this work. It feels like we're together. Yeah, it does. Well, you know, as we come together again today, we are very aware that people around the globe have had a wide range of experiences in the past year from we actually appreciate the forced slowdown of our pace Mm -hmm. to this has been devastating in so many ways. And in the midst of this struggle, the Bible tells us that trials are important to make us stronger in our faith and in character. So today we want to continue talking about how we as parents can be intentional with our children to grow in them what they need to be overcomers. And I I just want to start off with a question that we receive a lot from our community. And that question is about how do parents deal with it when our children don't stick to something? Like they feel like it's too hard for them. They can't get it right the first time. Like what do we as parents need to help our kids learn? Well, there's kind of two key characteristics and one is resilience and one is grit and they're slightly different. So if we were to sort of simplify them, resilience is about bouncing back and grit is about plowing through. Mm, so resilience good. is I like picking that. yourself up when you fall down and things go awry and it gets crazy and discouraging. And grit is just that sense of I am going to keep going through mm. this. I'm in this for the long haul. And we certainly need both of those as parents. You know, there's times that you'll slap your forehead and go, are we getting anywhere? And that's a time for resilience. And then there's time for just the grit of the day-to-day perseverance to just keep working with your kids, even Mm -hmm. as they struggle. So how might we model as parents resiliency and grit? Well, I wonder, Stacey, if you can think of an example that we could role play out when our child is struggling and how we as parents can approach that, you know, so that we could role play how to approach that with your own resilience and grit. Oh, so you want me to think of an idea. Mm-hmm. You, you're the you're the representative of the community, Stacey. Okay, you're, well, you're in the trenches with them every day. Well, let's just go. Let's see. Let's something that a lot of families around COVID have dealt with. And that is schoolwork. Everyone's at home. So let's say a nine year old and they're just tired of being in front of that laptop another day. That sounds is that a good great. example. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jim, are you going to be the parent or the child? I kind of gravitate toward the child role. I in this one. just could tell by the <laughs> grin on your little zoomy face. <laughs> so you're going to role play what resilience and grit look like is as a parent. Doing? Okay. Mm-hmm. And hoping that that overflows to my child. Yeah. Right. 
So it's the common scenario. It's time to get on the screen again today. We've been called off of in-person learning today because of a COVID outbreak in my classroom. And I hate this. And so it's, I got to go to the computer again. And Lynn, you just sent me there to, to get started while you're doing the things that you've got to do today. And you're a little exasperated by it all too. You Go ahead, invite- Jimmy, get started on your Zoom call. Your teacher. Mom, I don't do I have to start right on time again? I hate this. This is so stupid. I don't learn anything anyway. Oh, I know. This is a hard time, isn't it, buddy? It's a really a lot of hard times lately. Yeah, we have, but I can't stand math. And that's what we start with. And I just want to skip. My friends are skipping and they tell me it's not even a problem and the teachers don't care anymore. You have some really creative friends, don't you, bud? Oh, Mom, don't. Do you need need a hug or a glass of water? You said you didn't want to go. Yesterday, you said you didn't want to go to work. Uh Uh-huh. I know. That's how I felt. Well, that's how I feel today. I don't want to go to work. It's just school. Did you you see me yesterday? Did I then just lay down on the couch and tell my boss I wasn't coming in or did I go to work? You did it. Yeah, I know. But I bet you weren't happy. Uh, I didn't say I was happy. I got happier as I drove because I sang some worship songs, but I wasn't happy when I left the house. But are well, you glad that I went so that we yeah, have well, some food to eat today? Yeah, well, that's good. I just, I, if you can be an essential worker, I want to be an essential student. Oh, yeah. I think you are an essential student because you oh, are want to go to school for your life. I never get to see my friends. That was a great role play. So I have questions though, Jim and Lynn. So let's just say, okay, so your goal in the role play was to show everyone how a parent could demonstrate resiliency and grit. You mm-hmm. know, Jim as a child, he never was like, okay, mom, I can do it now. I feel yeah. better. I'm ready to jump on the computer. So in that role play, just to sort of talk about how I was responding as a child, you know, I recognize kids just because mom is starting to learn some resilient and grit doesn't mean that little Jimmy is going to just do what mom wants right away. But I will say, Lynn, in how you presented that, and you know, as a nine-year-old, I'm kind of playing where zero is, I'm a pushover. And where 10 is, there's nothing that you could do that's going to change my mind. You know, I played that role as about a seven on that scale. And I pushed back pretty hard. But by the end, if the role play had gone a little longer, I'd be like, okay, mom, fine. You're right. I'll try. You know, and you could have affirmed that I'm, you know, that that was a step of, of progress and, and so on. But your resilience and grit was demonstrated in a few significant ways, I think. Yeah, I think it's easy for parents to get hooked in that situation and go, oh, come on. And then we're demonstrating our own <laughs> lack of resilience because it's like we want no delay of gratification in yeah. getting an obedient, responsible child. We want the formula we learned from Jim and Lynn to work this time. <laughs> instantly, <laughs> instantly. <laughs> so just staying in that peaceful place models resilience to our yeah. kids. Well, and grit. And you, you yeah. kind of just started repeating some of the same things and you kept a smile on your face and uh-huh. you kept fairly light about it, even though even in, in the role of Jimmy, I could see you were starting to get a little frustrated. But because of your resilience and grit early in the role play, I didn't feel like I just, I wasn't going to win this fight. So I, I think I'm going to settle down and I'm my brain started to open up and I'm going to start learning a little bit more from you about staying affirming and pointing mm-hmm. me towards solutions, not toward the problem that I am and, you know, some really good stuff there. Yeah. Cause I didn't feel like it was ever sort of this me versus you battle, mm-hmm. you know, so it never became mom's going to make me do what I 
don't want to do. Yeah. Right. So that, that was really good. And then I think that what kind of what was unspoken there as far as resiliency and grit was that I know, you know, we, we both have things we really don't want to do, but we're going to get through this. We're Mm going to push through, we'll get through this and we'll move on to tomorrow. And that wasn't spoken. I mean, I suppose you you could say that, couldn't you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You could say, I know there's things we don't want to do sometimes, but we just do them and we'll move on. So, and that feels so safe for kids, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. For sure. I learned a long time ago, well, there's actually a great big body of research that started in Hawaii back in the 70s and extended, maybe it still extends today, I don't know, by a gal named Bonnie Bernard and then the University of Hawaii, I think. They talked about what it takes to create resilience in kids. And it's a three-legged stool mm-hmm. of high expectations, which most parents have, but then safety, caring, loving relationships and meaningful opportunities to participate. And when kids are consistently given those three types of stimuli environments, they learn over time to become more and more resilient to the hard things that come their way in life. And in many ways, Lynn, you just demonstrated that three-legged stool right here in that role play. You, you remain calm, you remain pleasant, you were safe, you were loving. There was that caring relationship in place. There was still the high expectation that I am going to do this. You're, you're going to hold me accountable for it. A little less at the moment of the meaningful opportunity to participate, except in the classroom work and in the adjustment that the whole class is making to all of this. So in a certain sort of a way, in that little interaction, even though I didn't just immediately comply, you offered all three of those things. And when those three things become consistent over time, kids grow more and more and more into resiliency. And they can overcome. And I would say, you know, I'm just thinking of this, but I have a daughter with dyslexia and wow, have I seen this approach to homework, which was, eh, I wouldn't say a battle, a struggle lots of emotion and pain right there because it was rightly really difficult for her, Mm -hmm. but that calm place of we're going to get through this and I'm going to support you and, you know, and you can do hard things has made a huge difference. That's good. So besides resilience and grit, you know, what else do parents need to raise overcomers in our kids? Well, Stacey, you just really mentioned one. It's a determination Mm -hmm. not to rescue kids. Mm -hmm. And I didn't hear anything about you sitting down and going, oh, honey, I'll, I'll just kind of do your homework for you and you can watch. No, yeah. you were there to support, encourage and yeah. strengthen her to do her homework. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. same that was that I was communicating to Jim as well. Right. Well, I was just going to say that in the role play, you weren't going to let me off the hook. I was going to do this. Yeah. But it wasn't a power play. It was just an expectation and I'm with you in it and you're going to get through it, but you're going to do it. And part of what this rests on is our ability to tolerate kids failure with grace and peace. Am I okay if I raise ordinary kids that get C's instead of A's? There was one parenting group that Jim led that afterwards the parents were going, so what have you been getting? on your term papers for high school. (laughs) The the parents were so eager to get kids to succeed Mm -hmm. that they were writing papers for them. So gosh, no. So so (laughs) clearly this is, it's about, I can be okay because I want them to know their grades are their (laughs) grades, not my grades. 
You know, I actually saw a piece of research that said even in college, 11% of parents are somehow aiding their children in their education by either doing things or waking their kids up or being involved to make sure their kids are succeeding in college. They're not letting go of their kids and they're not leaving their kids to their own successes and failures. Yeah, 11% by a certain measure. So Stacey, I think there's one other thing related to your, your question there. And that's just, it's really helpful for parents to have perspective on their kiddo and to see, you know, of some of the key things that cause kids to struggle with resilience, there's often a gift gone awry in that. Mm. So I've seen with coaching clients, a lot of times when kids are perfectionists, they're afraid to fail. They don't dare try anything difficult because they're afraid to fail. There's really, Mm -hmm. you know, some gifts in that they have high standards, they want to do well. And instead of freaking out over the perfectionism to just recognize that and go, we can work with that. Another one is kids that are afraid to disappoint. And so they don't try things they want to quit before anybody Mm -hmm. can have expectations of them. Those are kids that care about the feelings of others. Mm -hmm. So even to acknowledge that and see, okay, it's a gift gone awry and we can work with this. And then there's other kids that they don't care about succeeding because they just don't think the task is that important. And this was really clear when we started our daughter too young with piano lessons. And the teacher told us, yeah, I was trying to demonstrate something. And she was over in the corner of the room standing on her head. (laughs) It was clear. There's no resilience. It was not the right time for this. She didn't care. And starting it again, years later at the right time, then she had that resilience. And plays really well now, doesn't she? She does. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was about recognizing she's not going to let somebody push her into focusing on something that isn't important to her. So there's lots of ways that we can see behind the struggle that kids have with resilience, there can be good things. And that's part of, you know, refusing to give in to shame about this issue and helping our kids to do the same. There's nothing more life-giving than seeing the good underneath the behavior for Mm -hmm. our kids, which just would breathe life into them. You know, and as I think about a perfectionist or a child afraid to disappoint, you know, that's a heavy burden to carry for a small one, isn't it? And so for a parent Mm -hmm. to just see the good under that would just breathe life into their soul. It's interesting, even even sometimes as parents to to pay attention to our use of language. Like, you know, I remember when our oldest was young and and I would frequently use phrases like, he is a this, he is a that, mm. he is a narcissist, he is a problem, he is a pain. God, kid can be such a pain sometimes. Well, when I say that child is a pain, that's an identifier versus man, that thing the child did, now it's about behavior, not about identity. That thing the child did was really annoying to me. And so now who am I pointing my finger at? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what did you do to let yourself be annoyed by that behavior? Mm -hmm. And then what is it about that behavior that demonstrates a strength of my child? And we have opportunities often to just examine kind of our mindset, our language, our judgment about our children, and to reframe those statements we make, he is so lazy, as opposed to he's pretty determined 
to not do certain things. He's got a pretty strong will about certain things. And, and I wonder if I could acknowledge that. Son, you've got a pretty strong will. When you decide you want to do something, you do it. And when you decide you don't, it's much more difficult for you, isn't it? But you have quite a strong will. Um, I love that. It's a heart to teach our kids and to work with them in the place that they're at. Yeah. And it's just a different mindset. Instead of labeling the problem child, mm -hmm. uh, it's about exploring a, a treasure hunt for what's the gift? What's yeah. the strength that's beneath this challenge? And how can I shape that in a better way? We're going to go to a commercial break, but after the break, um, we're going to hear an audio clip from a mom who did just that mm. after the break. Have you heard, I don't want to do it, or I want it now? You aren't alone. Families everywhere are struggling against a growing sense of entitlement and lack of motivation. We have a four session course called the Entitlement Fix. We made it for busy parents in mind. You know, at Connected Families, we approach all parenting topics from a biblical and research perspective. Did you know that brain science plays a role in your child's entitlement? And parents can learn how to work with the brain to avoid entitlement? And I'm guessing that the biblical response to entitlement will not be what you imagine. I think it will give you an exciting vision for your family. You know, I remember the day when I opened up my email and my middle school daughter had shared a Google Doc with me. That doc had a list of hyperlinks for every single thing she wanted right then. She wrote, hey mom, just in case you wanted to get me everything I want, it would only cost $659. Well, I had a good laugh with her and we worked out a couple jobs so that she could earn money to get a couple of those things on her list. You guys, I've learned tools to work through situations like that with a light heart and strategy, and you can too. I encourage you to register for the Entitlement Fix online course today. When you register, you'll be able to interact with an online community of parents experiencing the same struggles as you. You don't have to feel defeated on the topic of entitlement. Register today by following the link on our show notes or head to connectedfamilies.org forward slash resources. So we're back from the break and I'm really excited, Jim and Lynn, because we had a mom record on her phone and send in an audio about working with her three-year-old son. So Lynn, do you want to set that up? And then we're going to play it and talk about it. Yeah. Essentially she had a three-year-old that if she kind of prompted him to do a job ahead of time, he was all about it. He'd clear that table, but if he forgot and then she reminded him, he'd get really defiant. She realized it was about perfectionism and shame. Like, I don't like that you pointed out my mistake. And so she figured out how to work with that in a really good way. So let's step into her conversation about that. I have a son who struggles with perfectionism. He's three years old and he would rather pretend he is being defiant than actually admit that he made a mistake. For example, one of his jobs every day is to clear the table after he's done eating. If he forgets to clear the table, instead of admitting he made a mistake and going to take care of it, he likes to pretend that he doesn't want to clear the table and refuses to do it. 
I know that he is actually just pretending because on days that I remind him to do it ahead of time, he's happy to clear the table. So he's embarrassed about making mistakes. To try to combat this, I've been modeling what I do when I make a mistake. And I've also been giving him opportunities to make a mistake. And then in a silly voice saying, oh no, Henry made a mistake and putting my hand on my head dramatically. Now he's learned that instead of pretending to be defiant and being embarrassed by making a mistake, he can just say, it's okay, mom, I can still do it right. That's a huge improvement. And it doesn't always go this way, but he's getting better and better. Isn't that awesome what that mom was doing? making it fun, even silly, making, I'm sure making her own mistakes, and then being lighthearted and helping him to feel that way about his own. Well, and for a three-year-old, a three-year-old to pick up these ideas and reflect back that he's learning it, he's picking up the concepts. And we hear that from parents all the time, that as parents make this flip and, you know, using the various tools that we teach, the do-overs, the make-it-right approaches to, to consequences, that kids will come to their parents and they'll say, oh, mom, dad, you need to breathe right now. You need to take some breaths. You're a little upset at young kids saying this sort of thing. And so developmentally, we often don't give our children enough credit for what they can learn if given the opportunity to learn it. We tend to treat our three-year-olds like two-year-olds. Did you know that a three-year-old is 50% older than a two-year-old and has <laughs> developmentally grown 50% in their capacity to process information? Wow. And, you and, are a math whiz, Jim. Well, you know, I, I studied long and hard in the same <laughs> class four years in a row. Oh, that's another story. <laughs> but no, I mean, these the kids are growing so quickly to understand cognitively. And we keep treating three-year-olds like two-year-olds and four-year-olds like two and a half-year-olds and six-year-olds mm-hmm. like three-year-olds. And if we give them the opportunity, they're going to reflect these things back. They're going to grow. And that's all part of resilience and determination is helping our kids to feel the weight of some of their mistakes and then giving them the space to fail and to succeed and to repeat and to reflect they're seeing and what a beautiful story. Yeah. So we talked about that a little bit in the first segment, like we have to let our kids fail, but I was a little bit struck Lynn by that phrase. Like she says, I'm giving him opportunities to make a mistake. Like Mm -hmm. it almost feels like she was saying she was planning it. (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Tell me what you think about that. Well, I think she's just, you know, letting him tackle some things that are probably a little extra tough for him and then giving him the support to view that in a lighthearted way. So, you know, we can think about how this works with an older child too. We're not going to, you know, tap our forehead and make silly voices, but we can go, well, (laughs) that didn't go so well, but Mm -hmm. it's no big deal. What did you learn? That kind of an attitude when our kids struggle is helpful for, you know, up through our teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. So I know my teenagers especially one of them, I think really wants to tackle things that she's pretty sure she can do well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's what we're talking about here. (laughs) And I remember the day I came home from, I think I was being interviewed by someone and man, I didn't feel like it went well. Like I did not like how I had shown up. And I just remember feeling like, I don't know, I think it was probably the Holy Spirit saying, you need to just tell your family about your day. Mm. And I did. And I just shared with them, you know, like I did not like it. I did not like how that went down. I didn't feel like I did my best, you know, whatever it was, but I'm telling you, I mean, I saw my girl's eyes just get really big and I felt like it almost gave them permission to come home from something that they're involved with and just say, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. And we're going to be okay. 
Yeah, it's that's beautiful. And I, I recall similarly having a bad day at work. And part of the reason that I had a bad day at work was because of my choices and my sin against my boss. <laughs> and I remember feeling convicted on the way home one day, like I need, I need to confess this to the Lord. And then I want to invite my family to into this struggle and invite them to pray for me. And our kids were, I don't know what, Lynn, four, six and eight or something at the time yeah. at the kitchen table. I said, you know, kids, uh, I had a, I had a hard day at work today and I, I sinned against my boss. I, I didn't honor my boss. I didn't honor God. I didn't honor what the Bible says about how to treat my brothers and sisters. And I had a poor attitude and I complained about something. And then I said things about him when he wasn't there that weren't kind and that weren't honoring. And I've, I've confessed this to the Lord. And I even had a short conversation with my boss about it to confess it to him. But I'm wondering if you would be willing to pray for me about this. You know, even our youngest was like, yes, daddy. Let's pray for you. And so inviting our children into our struggles, our challenges, our mistakes, our sin, and inviting them, you know, at the end of the day, these children are not just our kids who we're authorities over, but they're miniature brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a fashion of church in our own homes. Mm -hmm. And we have opportunities to invite our children to function like the body of Christ with us. doesn't mean we relinquish our parental role or authority, but it means that we're just Concerning about how to humbly invite them into our journeys. And we often say at Connected Families that our humility is one of our most valuable currencies for influence in our kids' lives. And I feel like it was a shame buster. It was, we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to have awesome performances to be able to come home and talk about it. Right. Oh, for you know, sure. We can talk about the things that we would maybe perceive as failure. I wouldn't say it's failure, but let, you know, I wasn't proud of how I mm -hmm. turned up right then. This issue of building resilience is really messy. And that's one of the things I wanted to, to share before we closed is that sometimes you are going to see resilience in your kids in the most unusual, maybe even <laughs> <laughs> challenging ways. We want to see resilience on the athletic field or with grades mm. or with chores or something like that. But sometimes you're going to see dogged resilience and determination in areas that you care nothing about, but the quality is there. And we had a, some good family friends whose daughter was just one strong-willed little girl. And she did not care a lot about grades, but when it came to organizing a Star Wars event, oh my gosh, she had 20 people at the preview in absolutely elaborate costumes. Everyone knew their role, their complete costume. It was- They got their flawless. picture in the paper. Yeah, wow. it flawlessly organized. But, you know, her parents weren't so excited about this, but that was that resilience. And then, you know, she struggled in college. They actually pulled her out of college because her grades were so bad. She went to Peru on, you know, kind of a long extended service project. And she wanted to get a Peruvian dog back home. And the steps that that took to get mm -hmm. that dog through all the immunization, she sewed a bag for him. Like she sewed a kennel. She got this puppy home. She was like, her parent, her mom was like, oh, he'll she'll never get that dog home. And I went, I know Annika, she's getting that dog home. <laughs> but yeah. now as that young lady has matured and her parents helped her find her passion, when they helped her find her passion, yeah. she just used that in amazing ways. And she's now a, a very successful child life specialist at a big hospital because that perseverance found wow. its calling. So wow. 
viewing our, especially our strong-willed kids as my job might best be to let go of wanting resilience in the ways that make me look shiny, but Mm -hmm. to steward that, help my child have confidence in it and find the calling that that resilience is going to really show up in and be a blessing to others through. That was beautiful, Lynn. And I know that it gave every one of our listeners hope to mm. see, sure to see so. underneath the surface of what's going on in their home today with their three-year-old and five-year-old and 12-year-old and 17-year-old, that there's a gift underneath that is going to be used for good purposes. Thank you, Lynn. Thank mm. you, Jim. Mm. This is another great episode. Thank you very much. Thank you, Stacy. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in. We trust this podcast has encouraged you and brought you value to your parenting today. We'd love to hear from you. Share a comment, letting us know what has been most helpful for you. And please subscribe and leave a review so that other families can find us and learn how to parent with peace and connection. For more information on Connected Families, go to connectedfamilies.org. 